we have been on a series on the creative prosperity principles, creative prosperity principles, and we started about six weeks ago, very early in November, the first Sunday of November, and as you can see on our banner, we have gone through five sessions uh, on the principle of timing, order, focus, routine, the very interesting principle of giving to Caesar what is Caesar's and giving to God what is God's, which Pastor Moses led us last week and uh, we discussed through the week. And uh, just today, by God's grace, we will be looking at the sixth session, which is the creative principle, prosperity principle of observation. Somebody say observation. observation. Say observation. Now, when you look at these principles, as I've said, you can go to a motivational talk or go to a school of uh, ethics and business and all those sorts of things and hear these same words, maybe not Caesar and God. You can hear all these things. People talk about time management. People talk about order. People talk about focus, routine. You can hear them. <laughs> you can hear them. So what is the difference? And I keep pointing you to the fact that what we are doing is learning those principles from the context of scripture. Understanding that these are godly principles. One of the things that draws me to the great servant of God, John C. Maxwell, is the fact that he teaches these principles worldwide to all kinds of audiences and he tells them that all the principles have come from the Bible. Praise the Lord. And he demonstrates. And by the grace of God, this is what we need to understand. Whatever God has put in his word as principles for us to engage so that we can become the persons he wants us to be are the very same things the devil tries to steal and pervert and put out in a worldly way and make it look as if it is an idea outside the church. So I want you to understand, we went through the scripture, we learned about timing and season. And what more, can you, who, who else can you learn timing from apart from the creator of time himself? Who else can you learn the principle of order from, apart from the one who puts things line upon line, precept upon precept? From whom can you learn focus, apart from the one who, by himself, looked and took time to make man in his own image and focused on man and endowed man with the things that man should do so that man can become who he has said he should be, and so on and so forth. So every one of these principles are things that God himself has taught us and as we learn them from scripture, we understand that God, who is the creator of the heavens and the earth, wants us to prosper by them. And so we are grateful to God. I'd like to again use this opportunity to welcome those who join us on LiveGate Outreach TV and those who would listen to the podcast of this message at some point. I want you to believe God for a touch where you are and when you are listening to this. It is a privilege to be able to reach you on this media uh, and we are thankful to God for such great grace. And we thank our media team and those that work tirelessly around the clock every week to make sure that these messages and our uh, 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 messages and the things we're sharing are put online so that we can all benefit from them. But we are grateful. Observation is basically, if we're to define it, is an action or a process of monitoring something or someone. It can be an action or a process of monitoring something or someone. And um, when we talk about observing God the creator, what we're saying is that we want to learn of his works in, somebody say his works in, say his works around, 
and his works through the people he created. So we observe God and his works in, around, and through. The work of God in me and in you is demonstrated so that it can be observed and learned from. The work of God around me and you is so that it can be observed and learned from. The work of God through me or you and I is so that it can be seen and it can be learned from. And these are things that we must understand. We learn these things so that we can prosper and are able to do the things that God has called us to do. The grace of God for prosperity is a grace that God gives so that we can have all sufficiency. Remember, we have defined prosperity many times. is to have all sufficiency, being able to do all things that God himself has called us to do. We need to understand that the principle of observation is so important. The scientists, the engineers, the artists of our times, they advance and they prosper by observation. Observation. They, they, they move and advance the frontiers of knowledge by observation. Scientists perform experiments and then they observe the results. And if it's not what they want, they perform. They try things again and keep performing. Engineers and technologists and people who build things look at nature and learn. The Wright brothers looked at a bird and one day it came to them that if birds can fly, if an object that is on the ground at a point can be on the ground and at a point it can fly, they learned the concept of lift from it. They took time to study the wings of a bird and saw that it was possible to create something that can also fly. And they did it, and today the rest is history, 80 years later on. And so we can observe things when we look at the shapes of things in nature and we look at how God has done things around us. What God is saying is look at those things and learn. One of the things we must realize is that if we are not a people who are, who are given to observation, we will limit our own prosperity. The more you can observe, the more you can see and learn, the more you are able to advance yourself in many ways. When I have the privilege to travel many times, I do everything I can where it is feasible, and where it is possible, I do everything I can to take my wife along. Because I learned that when I travel, when I go to places I've never been or seen things I've never seen, I found that I learned quite a lot. And we see things, see cultures, see things that people do in different ways. And many times when we're there, we're not just eating and drinking and forgetting ourselves and just looking and saying, wow, tall building. No, we're learning and asking ourselves, what have you learned today? What have you seen today? Do you know I noticed how they did this? I noticed how they did that. So our mind is continuously being expanding. And we must all understand that this is one thing that God has put as a process that if you want to be a prospering person, continuously advancing, you must be somebody given to observation. Those of you who are listening to this message by podcast or on online video in YouTube on our Live Get Outreach TV channel, I want you to know we read Ecclesiastes chapter 5 from verse 8 to 20 in our scripture reading. I'll just quote a few verses from there. This was an account of the observations of King Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived. Now we know the story of Solomon is very interesting, but you know, 
at certain times, God worked wisdom in him. And he began to say these things, that there are things that we must see that he has observed and everyone should learn from. And I pick a few verses from where we read. He said in verse 9, he said, moreover, the profit of the land is for all. He said, I have observed that to profit in a land is a choice. That profit is already there for everybody. So don't tell me that the United Kingdom is hard. Don't tell me that Nigeria is hard. Don't tell me that South Africa is hard. Don't tell me that Iraq is hard. Don't tell me that Iran is hard. Don't tell me that uh, USA is hard. Don't tell me any nation. The profit of every land is for all. Is for all. It takes understanding of what God has in store for you as a person and what you ought to learn from in order to partake of that profit. He said even the king is served from the field that the pauper, my own addition, would have eaten from. Even the king is served from the same places that those who do not have as much have, eat, have to eat from. Have you ever seen any king whose grapes and uh, the things they use to press his own wine have come from the sky? No, they press the same wine from the same grapes that grew on the same land. So Solomon said, I have seen that the profit of the land is for us. When, is for all. when you have this mindset, the things that tend to want to make you fit into a mold begin to, begin to shed off themselves from you. We live in a world that truly has racism existing. But do you know that the more you believe in racism, the more it stops you? There's nothing like racism for an advancing person. Where, which nation did Joseph come from to become prime minister in Egypt? No, no nation, no, no stateless. <laughs> he was from a wilderness. <laughs> he was from a wilderness. He came to Egypt, became prime minister because he had something to offer. You don't let those things, anybody tell you, your gender, your race, your color, your accent. Listen, friends, when you have something to offer, whatever your accent is, people will listen to it. <laughs> if you have the solution, even if your words are not hearing, they will, they will concentrate <laughs> because you have the solution. So what you should be asking God is not, Lord, take away this racism, take away these things. Say, Lord, give me solutions. Lord, give me solutions. When you have solutions, you'll be shocked. The profit of the land is for all. Hallelujah. He went on in verse 12. He said, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. When you are a laboring man, your, sweet, your sleep is sweet. What does that mean? Because he said that whether he eats a little or much, the abundance of the rich will not, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. Is he not contradicting himself? A laboring man should be rich. So what is he talking about here? If you correspond it with what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, when he said, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And Jesus said, it is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Then you understand the kind of rich that Solomon was talking about 2,000 years before that time. Solomon is talking about those who become rich without God. This is why you see people who have made it in quote with so much wealth and so much influence and you expect that they should be having a peaceful life. They are not. They drink 10 tablets, some of them, before they sleep and have three injections on top of it. And these are known as billionaires in the world today. What shall it profit a man? 
But a man who is blessed, whose labor is blessed by God, the Bible says in Psalm 127 verse 1, 127 verse 1, that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. The man who has his labor submitted to God, who has a reverence for God, is the one that Solomon said, I have seen that such a laboring man, when he sleeps, his sleep is sweet. May you be such a laboring man. In the name of Jesus. It is sweet. It is sweet. When you are under God and under God's instructions, you sleep sweet and you sleep fine. In verse 18, he said, here is what I have seen. This is another observation. Somebody say observation. He said, it is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him. Which God gives him. Whatever God gives to you is good to enjoy. God gave you your husband, enjoy your husband. God gave you your wife, enjoy your wife. God gave you your children, enjoy your children. God gave you your job, enjoy your job. Stop looking at other things that other people are enjoying. Enjoy what God has given to you. The sweetness of this life is enjoying the things that God has given to you. There is a folly in this world. I don't know how a man will carry his wife, beautiful wife by him, and then he's looking at other women like this, looking at other women like, it's such a foolishness. <laughs> such a foolishness. God gave you that one. Enjoy. Just enjoy. Yesterday, we were just waking up around about 6, was it? Around about 7 a.m., very early in the morning. And I looked at my wife. She was on the bed. I said, you are so beautiful. She said, stop it. <laughs> well, she likes it, you see. <laughs> So men, when they tell you to stop it, that means say again. <laughs> that means say it again. You too, if you go and stop it, you know the trouble there. So don't stop it. Just look at her and tell her, you are beautiful. Because the Bible says it is good and fitting for you to enjoy those things. Solomon said, I have observed. Because God gave it to you. He said, which God gives him, for it is his heritage. When we learn these principles and we observe, we find that we move in the place of contentment over time. When you learn to appreciate what God gives you per time, you are contented, you are happy, then it takes you to the next level, takes you to the next level, takes you to the next level. My wife is happy with me. When I was giving her 20 pounds, she was happy with me. We were praying to break into the, the next level, but I wouldn't give her 20 pounds today by God's grace. No, I wouldn't do that because God has helped me more than that. But there was a time that was all I could give her. For a whole week. But she was happy with me. We were contented. Whatever dad could cook, I was telling the choir last time, that we used to cook chicken wings with it. Chicken wings. Somebody say chicken wings. <laughs> she would go to Asda and buy chicken wings of two pounds those days and buy groundnut, um, peanut, peanut butter and make soup from it. And then we will make good semolina and eat. And the kids will eat it and be happy too. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Today we may go to a restaurant and eat 50 pounds per person at a time. If we want to, we don't do it all the time. And I'm not asking you to go and do that. But the reality is we may do that by God's grace if we want to. But it did not happen in one day. This is 20 years later down the line. <laughs> what am I trying to say? He said, there is something that God has given to you. All your labor under the sun and the days of your life. He said, keep enjoying it because it is your heritage. 
He said in verse 19, As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, receive the heritage and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. Every emphasis of Solomon in this place is to realize the gift of God in the things that we have. So laboring is good. Praise the Lord. But laboring without God is a curse. Laboring without God is a waste of time. But laboring under God and with the gift, as the gift of God is for a rejoicing. Your work will not be onerous again. I say your business will not be onerous again. In the name of Jesus. So I want to quickly tell us some scriptural counsel for engaging with the principle of observation. Number one, let us keep observing Jesus. Observe Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 to 3 is something we read all the time, but it's so powerful. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God, of the throne of God. Verse 3, he said, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged for your souls. There is a tendency to become weary and discouraged. The day and age that we are in is full of things that want to make you weary and discouraged. But you must understand that the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, has put in place an example for us to observe. When we observe him, we learn tenacity. Someone say tenacity. This is the ability to keep going regardless of what is thrown at you. We learn focus. Somebody say focus. This is the ability to keep the main thing the main thing, regardless of what is trying to distract you. Then we learn discipline. Somebody say discipline. Somebody say discipline. With looking unto Jesus, we learn tenacity, focus, and discipline. Discipline means doing what is right, regardless of how we feel. Doing what is correct, regardless of how we feel. Not responding to the things trying to distract us and discourage us. Jesus showed us. He said, look at him. He endured such hostility. How many of us can endure hostility in this day and age? There is hostility everywhere. People throw things. People just are looking for fight. People are looking for trouble everywhere. Have you noticed? Traffic, people looking for trouble. Workplace, people looking for trouble. People looking for trouble everywhere. So you have to make up your mind that you are focused and you don't let anybody trouble you. During the course of the week, I put something on my wall and it was a very funny thing that happened. And uh, it was a phrase. Basically, put two scriptures. Many times when I write things, it's because of a scripture I'm reminded of, but I now put it in words that people can understand. That's one of the powers of social media. You can communicate scripture and things in simple ways that almost anybody can understand. You see, but if you put there, John eleven thirty two. The fact that you put John eleven thirty two, some people will not read it. Do you notice? They, they saw John eleven thirty two there, they won't go there. They say, ah, I don't do Bible. <laughs> so put it in the language that they will read. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so I just said something. I said, you know, um, uh, the temptation to repay evil for evil is usually very strong. He said, but never succumb to it. I said, when you repay good for evil, you commit God to fight for you. And people were responding. As usual, people would respond. And some people even shared their own story there. And somebody went there eh, and wrote, I disagree totally. (laughs) 
I don't know this person. Is one of my friends, in quotes. I don't know her. I've never met her. But it's one of those people who has to be my friend that I accepted to be friend. I went to my wall and said, I disagree totally. <laughs> people just looking for trouble. So I wanted to initially ask her, okay, what is your point? But I said, no, 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 no. I don't have that time. So I clicked like to let her know. <laughs> to let her know that... <laughs> I am practicalizing exactly what I wrote up there. <laughs> because you have come here to look for trouble, obviously. But you see, as I like your statement, it shows I'm not ready to give you trouble. <laughs> you get what I'm talking about? You need to gather yourself. Learn from Jesus Christ. The Bible says he endured hostility. They called him names. They asked him questions that were very, very useless. Things that would make you very upset. If you are even on the cross, a thief, condemned thief, Say, if you are the son of God, save yourself and us. Very irritating things. To the last moment, he kept on keeping his peace because he knew that he could not afford to lose the price that was set before him. If you want to prosper in what God has called you to do, you must know how to keep focus. Many pastors have packed up church today because of what people said to them. They told them they are the worst pastors they have ever met. <laughs> and the man went home and told his wife that we have to stop this thing. <laughs> Many people have stopped businesses today because when the businesses were just small and the thing was not prospering, people mocked them. They laughed at them. In the course of the week, I was thinking, I said, a lot of people talk about Thomas Edison and say 999 times he tried. 900, many people who are saying 999 times he tried, they have packed up things 10 times after 10th attempt. If I fifth attempt, many of them have packed up things. How many people can go 999 and keep going because they are convinced? You need to learn from Jesus Christ how to be tenacious, how to be focused, and how to be disciplined. Observe him. When we talk about Jesus, there are two ways we observe Jesus. The life of Jesus as accounted and documented in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts chapter 1, and the many other references to it, or the entirety of the scriptural examples. Every time you read the word of God, you are studying Jesus. Do you know that? Do you know that? Do you know that the whole Bible is about Jesus Christ? The whole Bible, right from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation, is about Jesus. Genesis to Malachi was talking about his coming. That is all it was talking about. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John told us when he came. And from Acts to Revelation, he told us how he left and everything that will happen for him to come again. It's all about Jesus. So when the Bible says, look unto him, it means you can study his life as it is documented. And you can also read from scripture and learn. Hallelujah. Number two. Observe nature. Observe nature. The Bible gives us an example in Proverbs chapter 6. And I'm very careful now because I know that there are people who worship nature. I didn't say worship nature. There are people who go to trees and say this is their God. And hit their head on it and hit their head. And hit. That's not what I'm talking about. We used to have some trees in my home country. In the secondary school I went to, we, we, I saw things in that school. Things I'd never seen before. That was the first time I would see a two-headed snake and so many other things. And uh, there used to be a tree, the Iroko tree. Some of you who are from West Africa will know about the Iroko tree. The Iroko tree grows very tall and wouldn't have branches for almost 10, 20, 30 meters and then suddenly sprout at the very top, a very tall tree. So because of that is unique nature, the way it grows, many people used to worship it many days. So they go and put cook egg and cook put cola nut. <laughs> Say this tree, for you to be tall like this, you must be... <laughs> You must have power. <laughs> that 
that's not what I'm talking about when I say observe nature. So get me correctly, because some people will hear this message somewhere and say, ah, that man say we should be worshiping nature. No, observe nature. Proverbs chapter 6, Jesus talked, God talked about the ant through Solomon again. The ant is an animal that we can observe. The Bible says, go to the ant, you slogan, that is you, lazy. Go, consider her ways, observe her ways, and be wise. You can be wise from the things of nature that you see around you. Verse 7. He said, when you see the ant, it has no captain, no overseer, or no ruler. Verse 8. He said, but provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Without, it means it is a self-motivated animal. It does not wait for people to push him before he does what he, he knows he ought to do. That is what he's saying. It has no captain, no ruler, but it provides her supply. What does that mean to us? Many of us are saying, I would have done this if I had that. I would have done this if I had capital. I would have done this if my uncle helped me. I would have done this if my father helped me. My father did not send me to that school. I did not go to that grammar school. I did not go to that university. Listen, friends, all those things are nonsense. You are inspired by God as an entity created by God to fulfill purpose by God, not by any man. Now, man has a role to play, but you must understand that you are a direct product of God, who God can give your own way of providing your own supplies in the summer and gathering your food in the harvest. It's a learn from him. Verse 9, he said, how long will you slumber? Oh, sluggard, when will you rise from your sleep? Look at the ant. Nobody, he doesn't use an alarm to wake up. <laughs> and I'm not saying it's wrong to use an alarm. I use it as well. But you know something? An ant just wakes up. He said, when will you rise from, when will you rise from your sleep? Verse 10. Verse 10 says, a little folding of the hands to sleep. The ant doesn't say, oh, this, 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 this darkness outside, I just feel like staying in a little bit more. It just gets up. When it's time, it just moves. It just moves. It's disciplined. The ant taught us about order and prudence. These are things that we have learned in, in the previous series, but when you look at the ant, you can learn more how to go in the way of order and prudence. Verse 7, verse 11, it says, So shall your poverty come, you will not become poor. I say poverty will not come to you. But when somebody is a, an indisciplined sleeper, an indisciplined eater, an indisciplined time manager, believe me, they are, very, they are moving, they are playing with poverty. Check any successful person on earth. They are disciplined in these areas. They don't eat everything. They don't sleep anyhow. They curtail their sleep and they manage their time well. When you say seven, it's seven. Whoever you are, wherever you are, you have to keep watching these things. They are little cribbly crawly, crawly, or how do you call them? <laughs> that they just come along. You don't know that they are there, but they are subtly eating away your capacity to deliver the things that God has wanted you to deliver. Learn from the ant. Let's keep learning so that we can be prudent and we can live orderly in Jesus' name. You will not be poor. I say you will not be poor. In the name of Jesus. Friends, I submit to you very humbly, it is impossible, practically impossible. I'm not saying that, maybe, maybe not. If I don't have a little, little knowledge or sense of time management and discipline for, for a regimented life, it is practically impossible for me to operate the way I operate. It's impossible. Impossible. 
And I want you to believe God for higher things. So let's keep observing so that we can become who God wants us to be. Number three, observe those that have gone ahead of you. Observe those that, are, that you can learn from. Those that have made history and those that are making history. And when I say those, of course, you start from people of scripture. You start from people of the faith in our contemporary times. But you can also learn from other people. Do you know that no matter who it is, you can learn something? Even the worst criminal on this earth, you can learn at least one lesson. You know that one lesson? Don't live like him. It's simple. <laughs> that is the one lesson you can learn. At least you can learn from that one, that, that person, that one thing. Don't do anything like they did because everything about their life showed that it's calamity. That's a lesson to learn in itself. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, he said, and we desire, Hebrews 6, 11, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Someone say, until the end. Look at people. Verse 12 says that you do not become, let's read verse 12 together loud, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the premises, promises. Copy. The word copy, imitate there, doesn't mean you just take oha, what they did, and you go and replicate the same. It means copy the principles. Imitate their discipline. Imitate their focus. Imitate their prudence. Imitate their wisdom. Imitate their ability to rationalize things and work hard diligently towards their call. He said, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Great servant of God, uh, 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 Peter J. Daniels, who I've, I've followed for many years, thank God he's still alive, he's, he's aging now, he's in his late 80s, but Peter Daniels used to say that the autobiographies of men give us the capacity to overcome incredible odds. When you learn the stories of men and you understand, great servant of God also, Bishop Oedipo, used to say that the secret of men is in their stories. Where you look at the stories of men and you see where they are today, then you can understand that if you want to get to that kind of place in your own walk with God, then you must know their secret. You must know their stories. Then you can see what to imitate. When I learned from Miles Monroe that he worked, of blessed memory now, that he worked for 10 years, that no human being on this earth knew him. He was operating for, from a corner shop, as it were, in, 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 uh, in his country, in the Bahamas, for for 10 years, nobody knew anything about him, but he kept on going. He kept on going. Today, even though he's, he's been to glory now over five years, we still talk about him. We still preach his messages. We still talk about his books and read his books because of tenacious pursuit of vision. When I read, when I learned from, from Joel Austin that his father, John Austin, started ministry in 1959, and nobody, virtually 90 people was all they had for 13 years up to 1972. And then suddenly, it was as if a switch was opened in heaven. And before you knew it, the church became a thousand. And then 4,000 and 5,000. When John Austin went to be with the Lord in 1999, there were 6,000 people. Today, the church is over 35,000 people under the leadership of his son, Joel Austin. The secret of men is in their stories. The Bible says you do not become sluggish, but you imitate those who through faith and patience obtain the promise. I'm not saying everybody now has to have a formula to wait for 10 years or 12 years. That's not what I'm talking about. 
I'm only saying that if you are doing something and you've just started the first year, the second year, the third year, don't give up. Many people gave up around my friend, my, 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 one of my pastor friends in, in, um, in Nigeria, in Abuja, Nigeria, very close friend of mine, very, very close friend of mine. I was his best man at his wedding. He said to me, he had a friend he met in Houston three, two years ago when he visited on the ministry assignment. And that man said to me, do you know something? He said, what? He said, I used to sit like this with Bishop David Oyedeko in the late 80s. And I used to be part of the ministry. And when the man was saying, this is what God is going to do, that we're going to build a tent, as God showed him in 1982, that we're going to build a tent that will see 50,000 people and will do this and that, that in all honesty, some of them could not believe it. Because where the ministry was at that time, there was no way. There's, it's just like when I declare here that there, a time is coming, that if you don't get here by 9.30, you have no place to sit. When you look at it, you say, ah, Pastor, how, how do we connect? <laughs> but when God has shown you, you don't stop. You keep going. I am so convinced it's just a matter of time. It's, it, that one is not negotiable by the grace of God. So I'm so convinced. And the same way, the man used to say that this is going to happen. And he said, that man now told my friend, he said, you know, he said, if I had stayed in the ministry, that I am guaranteeing you I'll be one of those people who sit close to him today because we were so close. But he left because he couldn't believe and he got frustrated and left and the rest is history. Everybody that is on a journey that God has connected you to, if God says stay with them for every reason you have on the earth, stay there. Everybody that God has kept as a friend, to be your friend, no matter what it is. God say, this is your friend, keep him close to you, you better stay there. You know why? Because there is something that God has packaged in time. It gets revealed as time goes on. But if you don't wait for the right time, many people have given up. I was listening to Joel this morning, Joel Osteen. He said that there is a research that said that many people who gave up in the journey of attaining what they wanted to attain, gave up halfway. So the people who made it continued the rest half. And come to think of it, the people who went back traveled the same distance because they went halfway, did not get it, and traveled back halfway again to where they started, which is the equivalence of the same distance they would have traveled if they had carried on like the others to attain it. We learn from people and learn from the stories of men. When I read such stories, I am very, very encouraged and I know that there are ministries that kick off in a year or two, and it's phenomenal, absolute stuff. And we learn from that as well. We thank God for it. We celebrate it. That's God's way. But in many cases, go and find out from people. Go and find out from people who have advanced in the area of your calling, who have advanced in your vocation, who have advanced in your profession or your ministry. Go and check their biographies very well. They will tell you many times they, they struggled as it were. They pushed things from the ground for many years. Before God. And what does God do that for? To put capacity in you. To put capacity in you. If you are not developed, there are certain things I have developed psychologically in the last five years now. That if I have not developed it, I can't be where I am today. But God knows I must develop those skill sets. Ability to handle people's behavior. Ability to handle people's injustice. Ability to handle people's misjudgment. Ability to handle all kinds of things. But God knows that if you don't develop it with 100, if he gives you 1,000, one day your head will just... <laughs> so he trains you level by level. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we must keep observing. 
I want to conclude this by saying two things. The first thing is that we must always observe from the perspective of purity. If your eyes are not pure, you will always see everything as impure. Titus chapter 1 verse 15. Let's read that together. To the pure, all things are uh, please, look at the screen and read with me. <laughs> Let's read together now. One, two, go. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelief, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. Your mind and conscience will not be defiled. In the name of Jesus. You need to sanctify your thoughts. You need to sanctify. What does that mean? In everything, there is a good you can see. But if your thoughts are not sanctified, you will always see the negative. We must learn this principle because many people have not learned this. Everything or everyone except Jesus, everyone and everything that you seek to observe may have their negative side. That is because only God is perfect. You must learn how to sift I talk about all these men. Call him Bishop Oedeko. God bless him. Uh, Reinhard Bonke now of blessed memory as well. Miles Monroe, all of them. And some of them that have been very close to or closer to, there are certain things I will not exactly do the same way they did. That's the reality because I don't particularly completely agree with it. But in all honesty, I respect them for who they are and what they do. So there is a way you can look at things. But unfortunately, we have a generation that is always hammering on the negative. They take the negative and make it more. They look at their children. Look at the negative. That boy is there. He is walking. He is talking to you. And all you are seeing is that he is not passing. He is this. He's not doing well in maths. He's not doing well in this. Why don't you thank God that he is able to walk? He is able to talk. He is able to put on his clothes. Then you can start to work on the things that seemingly are not working. Everyone, do you know that I learn from everyone that I meet? Everyone, even people that have treated me shabbily. I have picked good things from them that I have learned. Everyone around you and everything around you, God has put around you so that you can observe. But unfortunately, the devil succeeds in making people see negative things. And so people don't learn even from things that they ought to learn. I learned even from my own children, the ones that came from my loins, biological children. I learned from them because God's design makes them manifest some of my traits, manifest some of their mother's traits, and then their own individual traits that none of us have. And I learned those things one by one. I can tell you, if you wake me from, from the sleep, what do you learn from Toby's life? I'll tell you. Tosi's life, I'll tell you. Tofmi's life, I'll tell you. One thing, one thing, one thing I have that I've learned from each of those youngsters that, that were in my hand at a point. You can learn from everything and everyone. Some of you don't know that your spouses are some of your teachers. And you keep looking at negative things. You can learn from each other. You have traits in you that your spouse doesn't have. Your spouse have traits in them and abilities in them. That There are so many things I've learned from my wife. She thinks she's learning so much from me, but I've learned a lot from her. I didn't used to have an eye for quality. Everything was good enough for me. <laughs> As long as it is good, I just, I don't even, but she taught me how to understand, not from a pride point of view, but she taught me how to understand quality and how to get quality at a good price. Because you see, when you buy things, 
All these things that you say, oh, this thing is, is five pounds. This one too is 50 pounds. It doesn't matter. Uh -uh. It matters. It matters many times. <laughs> it matters. So, and I'm not saying that if five pounds is what you can afford, that you don't buy it. I'm only saying that at times, if you need to just take time and strategize and buy the 50, it will serve you better. It has quality in it. They will say, hey, what is a plate? Hey, hey, business class, economy class. It's, the same, it's not the same thing. Don't deceive yourself. <laughs> it's not the same thing. I tell you, it's inside the same plane, but it's not the same thing. <laughs> he say, oh, hey, what is it? Say, we go the same time, we land. Hey, 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 that is poverty talk. Let God help you to buy first class or business class. Then you will see the difference. <laughs> <laughs> if not the message of God, when I was flying economy in 1998, I would have missed my destiny in ministry. Because they don't wake you up to serve you food. Remember my story? Chicken or fish, chicken or fish. And they were calling chicken or fish and I was sleeping. And they don't wake me up, you see. But in my sleep, I was hearing the sound, chicken or fish fading away. Holy Ghost, if you don't wake up now, you will know it. <laughs> But you see, in business class, they would ask you when you want, whether you want to be woken up or not. And if you say, yeah, wake me up anytime, there's a way they will come. The same hostesses that will push past you in the economy, they will come to you and tap you gently and say, sir, <laughs> because money is talking. You paid 5,000 pounds. The other man paid 500 pounds. They will call you, sir. <laughs> they will kneel down for you if like, <laughs> like. <laughs> So don't say, hey, don't say that. No, 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 no. There's different. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> There's different. So you, she taught me how to recognize quality. We went to buy many years ago. I wanted to buy a brand new car, 2003. I went to, a, 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 because of branding and stuff, I would not call it the, the, the kind of cars. But I went to a particular dealer and uh, we got that one. And then she said to me, mm -mm. I said, oh, this car is nice. Brand new car. I said, it's nice. This is 2003. She said, I will show you. She said, close the door. I closed the door. She said, we're going to the other place. When we check that car out, we'll do the same thing. Then you will make up your mind. When we went there to the other dealer and to the other car, she said, now close the door. I closed the door. The first one, I closed the door. went baga baga. <laughs> when I closed this one, it went I said, ah. I didn't know that there's a difference. <laughs> All my life, I didn't know there's a difference. <laughs> I just see door open, door close, I'm gone. And to be quite frank, the other car has more value. And it was just a little price difference. What am I trying to say? Observe from the persons God has given to you because there are things that you can do to improve your life. When you look at the ant, look with the eye of purity when you look at things. When you look at the ant, don't see them as pests only. See their orderliness. See their prudence. When you look at the dog, <laughs> don't see them as promiscuous only. See their devotion to duty. Dogs are one of the most highly trained animals today that can do anything. I saw a photo. I don't know if Tofmi can put that up for me. I saw a photo in the course of uh, <laughs> the week that made me laugh. <laughs> it was on Facebook. I don't know if any of you saw this story. A set of farmers in India were having problems with monkeys. Little, little chimpanzees that come and destroy farms. I saw a bit of those in South Africa so I could relate with it. They are very, very, they are quick. They come and snatch things and go away and they can clear a farm of crops in under five minutes. They ravage it and go. So these farmers didn't know what to do. Then one of them discovered that a dummy tiger 
could scare them. That is a model tiger. So they put one in, it worked for some time, but maybe one of them accidentally knocked it and saw that the tiger remained like that. <laughs> so they continued. So one of them had an idea and painted his dog like a tiger. <laughs> and I said to myself, this animal called a dog. You know, you can call it many things. Some people don't like dogs, but this is one of the most clever animals, one of the cleverest animals created by God after man. You can train this animal to do almost anything. That's why they are guide dogs. That's why they sniff narcotics in, 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 in airports. That's why they do and operate in crime scenes and help policemen find things. You can almost train them to do anything. And this, that man painted a dog, and this dog now acts like the tiger in the farm. <laughs> and when the monkey see the dog moving about with his uh, stripes, so we're laughing about it. My wife said, I hope one day, she hopes one day the dog will not forget that he's a tiger. <laughs> Because a dog can be very playful at times. If they introduce play, he will just forget that I'm supposed to be a tiger here. <laughs> he will just join them in the play. <laughs> and that will be it. But you know something? This animal you can learn a lot from. And everything God creates around us, we can learn from. When you look at the life of David, thank you for the picture. When you look at the life of David in the Bible, what do you see? Do you see Bathsheba? Do you see Uriah? Is that all you keep thinking about? Or do you see a lover and a passionate man of God who God himself said, this is a man after my own heart. When you look at Jacob, do you only think about him as a supplanter? Or do you think about one of the wisest entrepreneurs to ever live on this planet? Do you see him as somebody who was a lover of his one wife? I'm going to say one wife, his most important wife that he loved so much in the person of Rebecca, in the person of um, Rachel, sorry, Rachel. In the person of Rachel, that he served 14 years to serve. When you look at the life of Peter, don't only think of his denial of Christ, but think this is one of the greatest evangelists ever. He preached one day, 3,000 people got saved. But if you are not looking from the eye of purity, all you keep remembering are the faults of these men and these women. When they talk about Rahab, all people remember is, oh, she was a harlot. He was not just a harlot. She was a savior of Israel. Learn the things you ought to learn and let purity guide your way of observing people and observing things around you. Finally, my last point. Don't keep observing the wind. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 4. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4. It said, he who observes the wind will not sow. He who regards the clouds will not reap. The wind refers to the things that are seeking to discourage you. Some of you are so fixed on news. You follow news and follow trends and follow things. While those things are good, don't tie your life to those things. Whether it is national news, local news, or your company news, you need to go to the word of God. Stop observing the wind. If I was to look at the wind that told me, how will you do ministry with your life of travel, with your life of busyness, and you that you do this and do that. How can you be committed to church week in, week out? It was a wind in 2012, 2013. If I observed it, I submit humbly to you today that I will not be here, we will not be here doing this exactly the way we are doing it now. You don't look at the wind because the Bible says you will not sow. If you regard the clouds, you will not reap. Verse 5, verse 5. He said, as you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of he who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. 
God is the one who will outwork what he has promised to you. I say God is the one who will outwork what he has promised to you. Stop looking at the wind and stop getting discouraged. Your life is not tied to the economy of any land. God himself will prove his word in your life in the name of Jesus. You just need to believe him. The disciples looked at Jesus many times and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. They must have been praying before that time, but they saw he had a prayer life that was very effective. And then he taught them how to pray. In Mark chapter 11, he said to him, he said, look at the tree that you cursed yesterday. It has now withered. They observed it and he taught them how to declare by faith. He said, now you learn this. Have faith in God. He said, for if you shall say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe that those things which you say shall come to pass, you shall have those things. You need to keep observing those that you need to observe and learn from. Just a couple of days ago, I was privileged to be in Bristol, and I was sat like this with somebody who mentored me. The person I've shared the story with you many times, the man who gave me my first job in this country when he came and told me that he was giving me a job. I told you that story. And I was privileged to be an external examiner for a PhD of one of his own students uh, in, in Bristol. And as we sat, anytime I'm sat with my mentors, I talk less. If you see me talking like this every time, talking, 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 I don't talk like that when I'm in front of those people. I sit down and listen much more. Even if they are provoking me to talk more, I want to hear from them. <laughs> because they have a lot I can learn from. And we were just talking. And after we were leaving, he saw me off to my car. And he said, David, thank you for coming to do this. I said, no, sir, I should thank you. 19 years ago, God used you to give me, uh, 20, sorry, about 18 years ago, God used you to give me the very first work permit that I got in this country. And he said, oh, yeah. And I started to describe, he has even forgotten. I started to describe the details to him. And then he said, wow. He said, that is true. He said, we have come a long way. I said, yes, sir, that's why we're all growing gray now. <laughs> But we want to thank God. I want to thank God because, you see, it is a privilege for us to keep observing. There are things around you. All these people sat around you. Even some of these kids running all over the place. There's a lot to learn. Let's keep learning because the more you learn, the more God will do new things in your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. You will not fail. I say you will not fail. In Jesus' name. Rise to your feet. Have you-